There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Chris Evans here. A big thank you for downloading our Virgin Radio podcast. Coming up on this week's edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky, Bradley and Barney Walsh chat about their second series of Breaking Dad on ITV. Ed Bores tells us about his adventures in Euroland on his new BBC Two show. Tom Hanks, yes, actual Tom Hanks, tells the story of kindness in the new film A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. Deborah Janes discusses bowel cancer and training for the Virgin Money London Marathon. Michael Portillo takes us through his new BBC BBC Two series, Great Asian Railway Journeys. Plus, Daniel Kalua, Richard Armitage, Hannah John Carmen, and more, all on the way. Our next guest is someone so familiar you'd be forgiven for thinking he lives next door. But no, he's just a Hollywood megastar. His new movie, A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood, is in cinemas today. So, without further ado, please welcome a man for whom we should all give eternal thanks. It's the one and only Mr. Tom Hanks. <laughs> Very good. All right, uh, Tom Hanks, A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. It's out today. We've all seen it. We are in love with it. So most of us love it almost as much, Some, to be honest, on some days more than our own children. OK, who is it about and how did it come about? Tom? It came about because somebody wrote it and then they asked me to be in it. <laughs> That's the short version. Of it. Now, you don't, you don't know who Fred Rogers is uh, in the UK. Fred Rogers was, you can't call him a beloved children's television host because that sounds like he, he introduces commercials or puts on cartoons. He was a very, very benevolent man in the hearts and minds and the attention spans of children who were two years old, who were three years old, little, little kids who did, yet, did not yet know how the world works, who were confused by light switches and the, and the moods of grown-ups and how musical instruments actually operated. And he was a very, very uh, gentle and uh, loving and altruistic man who wanted to make those, you know, they're, not, they're no longer toddlers, but they're not yet quite in school. He wanted to make them feel safe and that the world um, is an okay place to be. And uh, you can have all the feelings that you want, and you can go through, you'll go through sad times. Don't forget anything, and it's good to talk. He was, he was like a, uh, he was in fact a, uh, a minister. Uh, he was a Presbyterian reverend, but he never mentioned God. It was all just about, um, it's nice to have you as my friend. And to say he was beloved in the United States, is actually selling him a little bit short. I think he was actually very important in the lives of an awful lot of very, very, very young people. Okay, now um, the springboard for the narrative of the movie is a, a, a slightly, sometimes very cynical journalist being sent to interview him against the journalist's wishes. Yes, uh, we take the bold stance of uh, portraying a journalist as being a, uh, <laughs> a vicious, uh, uncaring, uh, egotistical 
uh, opera. Um, it is, in fact, a true story. A, a, a writer who was persona non grata, a guy by the name of Tom Junot, um, was giving this assignment uh, to write about a quote-unquote hero for Esquire magazine, and he did not. He wanted to be writing about somebody like Gorbachev or uh, um, somebody who was much more in a, in a serious public thing. He didn't see this um, public television figure as being a hero at all. He was, in fact, he, he probably, he, in fact, he showed up trying to figure out what his trick is, you know. What's the secret of this guy? Don't, don't tell me somebody just wants to have this job where for a half hour every day he talks in a friendly manner to kids and helps them along the way. There has to be something more to this. But in fact, um, he ran a, a, a journalist ran into, I think, uh, the one thing that will strike fear into the hearts of anybody who uh, who writes newspaper stories or makes up uh, who, who, who is on the news, he ran into an authentic, bona fide, honest human being. What about this? What about this, Tom? Uh, George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life meets Sesame Streets. You know, with you as the bridge in between. Is it? Because I'm trying to explain to people who haven't seen the film, which is basically everybody apart from three of us in the UK. Uh, uh, you know, after after today, that will change. Who this guy is? What is he like? from people or, or things of phenomenon they may know of. Oh, oh, yeah, uh, boy, that, that's really, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Uh, you, uh, I don't know, I guess you guys have, uh, you guys have Sesame Street, Heather, and yeah. uh, the George Bailey. George Bailey, though, is a guy who is um, embittered uh, and is not able to go off and, and, uh, and pursue the adventures that he wants to. And he, he doesn't realize that, that he loves his hometown until after he lives a long, uh, you know, years and years of feeling trapped by it. Fred Rogers, in 1947 or so, when he first saw television, he saw children's television, and he saw them throwing pies at each other, and he saw cartoons of, of people hitting each other with frying pans. He saw it being a, a cruelty as being funny, and he thought, this is the... And also he saw it as television was just selling them snack food, cereal food, toys that they wanted. And he thought, this, this is the worst possible thing you could do to a, a mind that is just uh, uh, grappling with the rules of society and the rules of being alive. So um, his nature, when he comes out on his show, um, is very, it's just, it, it ends up being so welcoming. I would say... Did you have a good grandmother? Did you have a great grandfather? Did you have that person in your life that when you went over to their house, it seemed they dropped everything they were doing in order to spend time with you? Yeah. And they said, oh, I'm so glad you're here. You made my day. And when it's time for you to leave, they don't want you to go, but they, did, they do two things. First of all, they reassure you by saying, I'll see you tomorrow, and I can't wait. To be to be with you again tomorrow, but then they also say you are so special, exactly the way you are. There's nobody, there's nobody like you in the world, <laughs> and I am so glad. I am so glad that you and I are friends, and we get to see each other. Now, that, that at first blush, that sounds that, that sounds almost too good to be true, right? It, it sounds oh come on, you know. Uh, no one, no one can be that that constantly sunny or that constantly upbeat. No one can actually be that that kind. But um, in fact, uh, that was uh, that's who Fred was. And I don't know. It's oddly I don't know if you could blend anybody into into uh, uh, 
in, into a mix that would end up being a perfect Fred Rogers cocktail. I think on just the opposite. You take a little Fred Rogers and you mix him with other people. Take some Fred Rogers and, and blend it into George Bailey, and then you have George Bailey. Yeah, okay. Would you like a little Fred, Fred Rogers side with that? That would be fun. Yeah, um, exactly. Oh, listen, before you go cut into that, perhaps... Just have, just taste this. This is a little Fred Rogers. <laughs> it's going to make that go down a lot nicer. Uh, Tom, good luck with the movie. Um, good luck. I know what you're doing in Australia, but I promise I won't tell anyone. Uh huh. Okay, that's fine. I'm, uh-huh. I'm having a wonderful time. You have All a lovely right. Dominion Day. Okay, Absolutely well done, pal. Fabulous. I love Australia. Okay. Thank you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. People often ask whatever happened to the likely lads. Well, you can call off the search because we found them. Series 2 of Breaking Dad continues tomorrow at 8pm on ITV and here to tell us all about it are experts in boxing, ghost hunting and whitewater rafting. <laughs> it's the wonderful Bradley and Barney Walsh. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so Thank we have you. father and son here. It's like uh, a generation game. Uh, well, it is the generation game, isn't it? It on, is. On steroids. No, it really is, Chris. Uh, so, yeah. so you're not really experts in all those things no not in the slightest but you've had a go I've, i try i do <laughs> my best and tomorrow tomorrow's show takes quite a bit of a twist doesn't it barnes oh, it does yeah it does tomorrow's show does take a twist so you so say breaking dad obviously great title off the back of breaking bad um, yeah uh, but you you really do have a go i mean what's the closest you've come barney to breaking your dad well i think uh tomorrow i think is the uh is the one so far Yes, yeah, so far. I mean, he's still here, so he's not quite broken. No, luckily, thank thank goodness. But uh, but we came quite close. Yeah, um, with the bull riding, that was uh, that was extreme. Okay. Yeah. Uh, stalling in the aircraft. I mean, I've seen it. We don't want to oh. talk about too much. Uh, too, too much of what goes on. You, you got to get, go in a replica of the Wright brothers. Um, how good is that? How, so tell, tell us, tell us, tell us about tomorrow. Whereabouts are you in America? Tomorrow? We go to first of all, we go to Dayton, Ohio. I well, basically what I do is I jump in the RV, um, and I've I, this is uh, you know my my choice. And I said, don't tell us what we're doing until the very last minute, until it's really seriously bad, and then I'm going to think about not doing it. Seriously, so they keep it from me. So where are we going now, Barnes? And he goes, well, we're going to go to Dayton, Ohio, overnight. So we drive overnight. We do that sort of business. We get to Dayton, Ohio, and and because I was I was an ex aircraft engineer, I I um I I got I get all the t-shirts, and they take us to the Wright B flyer where the Wright brothers the first know, flight in Dayton, yeah. and I was so thrilled to be there. It was just great for me. It was just like. Really, really, and I you had it. to go. Oh, on the right B flyer, that actual thing. The guy that, and do you know what it was, Chris? I thought, do I really? I looked at Barnes and I said, do I really want to get on this old rickety old you thing? Do, of course. Well, yeah, but then the guy, I said, who's who sat in that seat? Anyone? Any other people? He said, well, Tom Hanks's people wouldn't let him go, wouldn't let him fly. And I said, oh well, okay. Who else? He went. Well, Neil Armstrong sat there. I went, I'm in straight away. As soon it. as they said Neil Armstrong, I was on it. Uh, so so you're, two, you're two seasons in. Um, yeah. you, you're slated for a third season. Yes. Um, and so back to North America, obviously. You are. We'd like to. We'd like. There are other places to go, obviously. Yeah. It's uh, so much fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. They, <laughs> they are. It is the country. That keep, we just said, we said that just before, didn't we, Barnes? Yeah. Well, the reason why, we, why I wanted to go back to America for the second season was because, you know, we planned so many things in America for season one that we just didn't get to do because it's a four four episode series 30 minute show so you know a lot of stuff that we couldn't fit in that we were able to do in season 2 yeah. so there was a lot more things 
Um, and there's still even more things in America that we could be doing. But I think maybe season three, we might want to go somewhere else. What and do you the, think? And the idea of it being a commercial half hour, which is only 22 minutes, yeah. we yeah. can, you know, we haven't got to go overboard and we can really cherry pick the stuff. And it fits perfectly in that slot, that Wednesday at eight, you know. And so um, tell us about your RV, because, you know, I see you on the road, you know, yeah. you and your son. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. get any better than that, oh, does it? Oh, no, it's, it's, it's really great. And last when, when we opened last season, it was, uh, I, I didn't realise I was going to have to drive it because Barnes is only 22 now. He's 21 when he did it at 22 now. And you have to be 25 to drive an RV in the States. So I didn't realise I was going to have to drive. And I'd never driven anything like that before. So it was a bit tricky. And after a while, I got really used to it. And I really liked it. I, I, and it's fantastic. got the old expanding sides and oh, stuff. Oh, I love it. Yeah, really great. And I thought it was terrific. So I'm, try- you know, and they go, so Brad, you can have a rest from driving now if you want. You know, just no, take thanks. it easy. I went, no, I'm all right. I'm cool. Yeah, this is great. Got the old music on. We're driving along. Hook up. Watch the telly. Have take all my films. I'm allowed to take all my films with me, my cowboy films that I love and stuff. Put them. It's just fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Honest, don't I? Yeah, he does that a lot. Sits oh. there and watches like the good, bad, and the ugly for yeah. the 80th time. <laughs> yeah, I love all so that. Far. Did they get any better, any badder, or any uglier as, as, you, as you watch it more and more? <laughs> no, no, it's really. Yeah, no, I just love right, those what about films. you? Okay, what about you two? As a, as a dad and his son, right? Yeah. yeah. Having spent this much time together, you know, as you're older, uh, Barney, uh-huh. which doesn't, you know, isn't an opportunity for most um, dads and sons. No. What have you learned any more about each other? Have you become closer? Or Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've, I just you just get to love someone more and more the more time you spend with them, yeah, and yeah. you know you get they they. I always see Barney. Sadly, I'll always see him as a four year old. You know that's the thing where you go, don't put your fingers in the sockets, don't do that, you know, yeah. and you're doing that, and then all of a sudden you see this person evolve and this man emerge, and it's pretty good. And I always ask now Barnes advice. What do you think on this Barnes? What do you think on that? You know, what do you think? You know, and so I do that. That so I've learned that. And I've uh, to, to 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 not look be as much as a dad as a friend. As a so, yeah, yeah, I absolutely. Think I think that's it. Ultimately, you know, we're best mates, aren't we? Yeah, and we yeah. help each other out with everything and. Yeah, um, you know we're in it together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What, what you know, you've been around your dad all your life because he's your dad and you're yeah. his son, and he's been famous for as long as you've been alive. Uh-huh. Uh, how are you finding a bit of profile now? How, how are you coping with it? Oh, um, yeah, no, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you're such right. a lovely kid. I think. Uh, do you know what? I never, I never. To be honest, Chris, I never did it for that. Do you know what I mean? The, I, I wanted to do this amazing adventure with my dad at the end of the day, and um, and it's. It's great because, you know, when I'm older and I have children of my own, I go, oh, look at me and granddad doing this yeah, and doing that. So and it's just, it's an incredible thing to have documented. Um, but yeah, I've just been loving every minute. It's been great. And um, I'm very excited for, what ha- for what's coming next. Uh, I just, um, I'm an actor, so I do lots of auditions and things like that and self-tapes. And um, I'm back and forward between here and America a lot. So, uh, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, I'm just very excited. And you are a mini-me as well. I'm sure everybody tells you that. You are so... I've known your dad for ages and he used to look like you. <laughs> but then again, I used, used to look to. better than I look. So make any... Has he told you about the time we were still on the tables at Celtic Manor? No. No, good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bradley. Oh, Chris, great to see you. Thank you, but, As always, no Thank same you to you. So Bradley and Barney Walsh, Breaking Dad, Brilliant. episode four, season two, ITV one tomorrow, 8pm, rock and roll. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Dapper Dave over to you. He's the former Labour MP that swapped parliamentary rifts for non-surgical bum lifts, all for his new series <laughs> Travels in Euroland with Ed Balls. It continues tomorrow night on BBC Two, so ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man that Euro trips but never falls. It's the brilliant Ed Balls.
balls. And it is a very, very good show, Ed. Congratulations. Thank you well very done. much. Thank OK, you. so Trumpland and now Euroland. Yeah. Uh, tell us about the differences uh, to begin with. Well, look, Trump is so simple. There's this guy called Trump. How's he become the president? You know, he's not really a politician. He's wild. And in Trumpland, we went to find out, well, what the hell has gone on? Why vote for Trump? And uh, whereas what we're doing in this one is a bit more complicated because there's all these countries in Europe, all these parties. What we're looking for is, are we seeing Trump-style politicians growing up in Europe? Is that sort of sense of being ignored I'm outside. I want to vote for change and difference, which we saw in Trump land. Is that happening? And you see people voting for Marine Le Pen, the far right in France, doing really well. The AFD in Germany, they call that the new Nazi party in Germany. In the Netherlands last week, we saw this guy Geert Wilders playing this really strong racist card, but also appealing to lots of centre voters as well. So we're trying to see... Is the weirdness and wildness of politics we've seen with Brexit and with Trump, is it happening across Europe? And the answer is, it is. So you get from that very heavy subject of the emergence of the far right um, all over the world, at least in the Western world, that is, and who knows where that's going to end. Uh, And you finish with the latest European elections. But in between all that, you end up um, being um, shouted at by a toy maker for being late and then waiting for somebody else for six hours who is also late. Almost That's almost like karma coming back to to buy. It in the, in the ass, and then we see the Ed Ball's ass. Uh, you know, as you, as you lie prone next to um, a famous Italian um, selfie superstar diva who is also well, almost completely naked. How, how the heck do you get into those situations? Well. I mean, look, of course, it was very serious. I mean, it was for, for the craft of the, of the, of the film. Um, but there is this, this, um, this wild Italian star who's a big mate of Salvini, the populist leader. I wanted to know why did she really find him attractive? And she said she wanted to go and have her weekly, um, this special kind of bum massage. I mean, it was actually... It's a non-surgical bum lift, isn't it? Yeah, but it, it was invasive. Right. I'm not exactly sure how, <laughs> because I daren't look back, but it felt like it was really getting into stuff. I mean, goodness knows what was going on. And so I'm trying to have a conversation with her yes. about, so I'm saying, you know, why do you like Salvini? And she's saying, I want a strong man, a man with strength. And at the same time, I mean, God knows what was going on, but it was very strong. Have you watched so it back? Because you can, you can see a lot of what goes on as a viewer. Yeah, I've seen less of it, um, <laughs> but uh, it's... Uh, I mean, there are electric paddles, I think, in there. Yeah, there are. And uh, they go where... Well, they but, go But it's where... for a serious purpose. We should try is. and get her to speak. What you... With these programmes, we're all about trying to get people to really say what they think. And if you get people in their own situation, down a coal mine I am this week, a mile underground in Poland, down there, the miners start saying things they might not say if they're up a, you know, in, uh, in normal life. OK, and in France, uh, you meet the far right and the far left, who are both anti the EU. They are. They are. And actually, when you listen to the far left politicians, they actually sound often quite like the far right, not necessarily on the race issue, which you get with Le Pen. But as you say, anti-Brussels, anti-globalisation, anti-trade, wanting to defend you and your way of life. We go to this town up in Lille, uh, um, near Lille, called Caudry, the centre of lace making in France. But lace making is being really undermined by Chinese imports, which are much cheaper. They've always voted socialist there. And now it was where Marine Le Pen, the far right leader, came to launch her campaign because she's saying, I'll stand up for you. And you can see them all thinking, well, I don't like her, but maybe she'll do something. And that's their dilemma. What about when we meet uh, the guy who is accused of being uh, one of the residents of the new Nazi village, who, you know, he couldn't be less Nazi like as a character? I think you see so much about 
our politics here in that story because there's this village in East Germany which had the largest vote for the AFD, the new Nazi party, of anywhere in Germany. All the media call it the Nazi village. And I go to this village to try and find out where are the Nazis. And actually, it's beautiful and the people are really nice. And, you know, they look after their environment and they bring up their families. And actually, they're, they're not, they don't feel intolerant. And then when you say to them, why, why did this happen? And they say, well, you know, we're a village and our local school was closed. And in the election, nobody came to our village to talk to us other than the politician from the AFD who came and said... I'll sort it out. And we thought, well, if everybody else is ignoring us and they've taken away our school and we vote for them, maybe something good will come. What have we got to lose in our village? Yeah, Nothing. If, and, but actually, um, we have been ignored by mainstream politics and the AFD have come along and actually at last somebody's listening to us. And they, 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 they can't quite believe that that ended up with them being called the Nazi village because that wasn't why they voted for them. They voted over potholes and the local public service being taken away. And, and it just feels as though if, if, if you think about what's happened... Um, in the north of England um, over the last um, months and years, the Leave vote, what you saw in the last election, is people saying we're not getting a fair deal and we're not being listened to and we want to be noticed. By the, part, by the party that is supposed to and has yeah. historically represented us. And in the case of the referendum, it was actually the leaders of both parties saying stay in the European Union and then they, people said, well, actually, we're going to vote Leave because we don't think you're listening to us. Before you go, are you going to work with Michael Portillo? Because we think you and he together would make the best shows. That's interesting. He contacted me after the election in 2015 and said, would I like to make a programme with him about defeat? And I said, no, thanks, because <laughs> frankly, that felt a little bit too near the bone. Well, he was but, on um, the show on Monday because his new uh, railway show exactly. on. And uh, we said together, because you're very similar, you know, and you've got similar histories and you both happen to be very good on the telly. Well, he also said to me that, don't go backwards, he said. Go and do new things. Move forward. And he's doing railway journeys, and I'm doing a different version of looking at politics in a very next? unusual Have you way. Got a new one sorted. Um, all in discussions, but there's lots of places. I mean, there's lots of places to go at the moment where politics is wild, and you know, obviously, there's, there's an election coming up this year in America. So we'll see. All right, Ed. Thanks for being here again. Thank you, Chris. You're always welcome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We've heard from three guests already, but there's loads more still to come. Daniel Kaluuya chats his fantastic new film, Queen and Slim. Kevin Clifton tells us all about his brand new role in the new stage adaptation of The Wedding Singer. Jack Loudon discusses the BAFTAs and his nomination for Rising Star. And Richard Armitage and Hannah John Carman tell all on Netflix's new miniseries, The Stranger. All that and more, but first, Dapper Dave, who's next? From a shocking cancer diagnosis three years ago to recently being declared cancer-free, our next guest has one hell of a 
a story to tell. She's donning lycra and running the Virgin Money London Marathon, excuse me, for the Royal Marsden Hospital Charity. And here to tell her remarkable story is the wonderful force of nature, Deborah James. Morning, Deborah. Oh, thank you. What an introduction. <laughs> How are Can you I today? just say, I am good today, thank you. Thank good. you for having me here. You're more than welcome. All right, so for people who, who don't know your story, um, your potted history of, of you and cancer goes like this. Like this. Three years ago, diagnosed with bowel cancer at the age of 35. Um, and well, ever since then, I very much document what it's like to live with cancer. Yep. I shouldn't be here. Yep. And the reality is, so by the time I was diagnosed, I have metastatic bowel cancer. So it was already in my, my liver, my lungs. I've had lots of operations. I've got bits of my lung missing, bits of my bowel missing, like you name it. But for me, I, I'm still, well, now I'm 38. I can't believe I can say that. It's amazing. Um, and statistically, we know, sadly, when cancer's caught late, the chances of survival kind of plummet. Um, so for me, I just wanted to carry on living as much as I could. So I pretend to call myself Bow Babe, not because I think I'm hot or anything. Um, essentially, because she's way cooler than me, um, and I can hide behind her. I think a little bit sometimes. And then I just, I just wanted to get busy living. You know, why not? Life is too short. And I know this sounds really cheesy, but we have to, don't we? It doesn't sound. Nothing sounds cheesy coming from you, Deborah, um, <laughs> at all. And so, so I read Brianie's column a couple of weeks ago, which is why I talked to you about it on the radio last week. Uh, and Brianie's a friend of yours. Yeah, I, I know that. And you're going to run this the London Marathon, which is just the best news ever. And I can't wait to to just hold your hand for a bit of it, if you do, if you would allow that. <laughs> yes, please. Um, it's bonkers. I'm uh, I'm already scared. <laughs> and, and and but you know, in the article that Brandy wrote a couple of weekends ago, she said you're now cancer free. Uh, what does that mean? That's a really good question, actually. So on paper, I have gone from somebody who had about 15 tumours um, all around their body at various different points. It's, it, I, I call it a game of splat the tumour. I have to laugh, otherwise I would cry at it. Yeah. Um, and we finally, because of targeted drugs, lots of operations, we've got into a place where I had a scan, um, well, lots of different scans and tests a couple of weeks ago, and I was not given the words, you are cancer-free, I have no evidence of cancer in my body. Right. which is quite amazing but I'm fully aware statistically only around 8% of people will survive with what I have but you know the way that we're moving forward with research yeah. I want to give people hope I hope that the fact that I shouldn't be living today gives people hope I don't know what the future holds but you know my oncologist says one step at a time yeah well one day at a time, one, one second at a time. Almost. Absolutely, yeah. and that's all we can do, right? We can we can only take it one step at a time. So when I leave here, I'm going back into hospital. I'm still on my drugs. I still have to take those drugs because they keep me alive. Yep. And at some point, they'll probably run out. At some point, another tumour might appear. But until then, I suppose it's just business as usual. Right, now, congratulations on your first 10-mile run in prep oh. for the Virgin Money London Marathon, which took place at the weekend. Now, you made it uh, to 10 miles, and then what happened? Oh, my word. I, I then thought, what on earth have I done? So you sat <laughs> I, down on I a bench. I sat on a bench. So I got to 10 miles. It, it took about just over two hours for me to do that. I literally did not, I couldn't move. I then sat on a bench, and I cried and I thought, I can't move. And then I, I was saying to Vassos outside, I was just saying that I have to do that another three times. Well, you know, nearly more. 
Two and a half. Two and a half. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's about 27, 28. Yeah. I, I, I kid you not, I nearly had to crawl home. I called into Starbucks and I basically was just like, I, I basically cried like tears onto the counter. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I need, I need, I need chocolate. <laughs> did you get, did you treat yourself to some chocolate? Yeah, like those marshmallow sticks, everything. <laughs> What's the, so you've, you've cracked your 10 miles. You ended up in tears. You were craving chocolate. You thought this isn't going to happen. 26th of April. Um, when's the next big run? So I'm going to do another one at the weekends because my challenge is that I'm still on daily treatment and with that comes the side effects of a body that basically is full of scar tissue from all my operations. I know loads of people have their challenges uh, but also the side effects of... <laughs> you're allowed to say <laughs> you keep excusing yourself. But, but also a body that, that really hurts unfortunately you know I, I sound like I'm complaining. So I have to manage like getting strong versus the running. So I'm only going to do one long run each week um, but I, I think I might also try to do like the whole walk run thing in terms of impact I just want to turn up you know what for me I've never had four months for the last well three and a bit years where I've never not had an operation or yeah. not had some kind of change of plan where I've ended up in hospital well you're really I mean you're planning for the future you know, almost with like somebody who who doesn't suffer from something as serious as you are suffering from now, and you haven't probably done that since you were originally diagnosed. Never. So um, I have not genuinely. I have not put anything in my diary beyond two weeks in the last three years. So this is the first thing. This what is a, the well, first what a thing. thing. Yeah. You don't mess about. Do you? <laughs> but I now feel the pressure. You're going to said like Alton Towers, March the twenty seventh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, London Marathon, London April the twenty sixth. But somebody said, why, why run? And I said because. Because I can, not very fast, but there's so many people who can't. Who can't. Because, and they want to. Uh, John in North Wales says, I, I'm sitting here listening to such an inspirational upbeat lady. We've all been affected one way or another by cancer, but you put it across in such a positive way. How can we sponsor you at London Marathon? So one more time. Oh, thank you Come so on. much. Um, bowel babe. So, um, you know, bowel cancer, raise awareness of bowel cancer. Second biggest killer in the UK, but I call myself bowel babe. So on all forms of social media, if you go to um, Twitter or Instagram, you will see the link to my my uh, fundraising there. Thank you so much in advance. Right, if you want to keep coming in between now and the marathon, if you want to, if you can, if you're able to, to, if you can fit us in and give us updates on anything (laughs) you damn well like, uh, that chair is yours now. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's travelled nearly every continent on Earth and he won't stop until he's completed the set. His new programme, Great Asian Railway Journeys, starts tonight on BBC Two and he's alighting at Virgin Radio to tell us all about it. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Neither. It's the marvellous Michael Portillo. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Chris. We love your show. That's now, very kind I'm of sure you do too, um, but they're not as um, easy to make as they might look. It's no walk in the park. It's no, it's, no, uh, it's not a simple ride on a train or many, many trains. Uh, thank you for doing it all for us so we don't have to, but then we want to. Um, they're extraordinarily colourful. You are like you're like a walking hockney yourself. It's great. Uh, where, are you, where are you going tonight? Uh, tonight we're going to Hong Kong, and this is the start of uh, Great Asian Railway Journeys. Actually, more precisely, Southeast Asian. So we've got Vietnam, Indonesia, Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, but starting in Hong Kong. So Hong tonight. Kong down to Singapore. Um, so I watched the opening ten minutes. Uh, you know, Hong Kong. So exciting. What is there new to say about Hong Kong? What more can you say about about the phenomenon, which is the the the, the beguiling Hong Kong? Uh, the new thing that I found to say was all the bits that I didn't know anything about. So I know all about the concrete jungle. I know about the throbbing city. I didn't know about the fishing villages. I didn't know about the walled villages. I didn't know about those areas in the new territories and out on Lantau where there is a really traditional way of life. 
and you feel like you're thousands of miles from Hong Kong. You're actually about 10 minutes drive or something, or, or rather, I should say, ride on the uh, MTR, the local transit system. That I found extraordinary. The other thing, of course, is we look at history. And um, it's a painful history if you're British, because we seized Hong Kong as a result of two wars that we fought against China. These are known as the Opium Wars. And why did we fight them? <laughs> For the not very uplifting reason that we wanted to stuff opium down the throats of the Chinese people. Why would we want to do such a thing? Because that was the way that we could buy the tea from them. And we, the British, but also the Europeans and the Americans by then, were addicted to tea. So we had to get the tea out of uh, China. We had to pay for it. The only thing we could use to pay for it was opium. And when the Chinese government objected, we went to war with them. And as part of that, we got Hong Kong. So how far do we get down the journey today? Because, I mean, that's, that, that could be a whole show there, couldn't it? Uh, well, the, the, we, we shot the shows as one-hour shows, and they show as half-hour shows this week. Yeah. Uh, they'll one day be repackaged, and you'll see a tiny bit more when there's a one-hour show. Uh, but, yes, I, I mean, we like to tell history. Of course, we also need to look at what's going on today. So we have a little bit of a look at, uh, at the protests. I'll tell you something I found very, very interesting is the kind of tradition of protest in Hong Kong. Um, China was founded by a man called Sun Yat-sen who um, led the revolution against the emperors. And he was a medical student at Hong Kong. And I dug up a comment from him. He said, the people of Hong Kong are used to living independently and speaking their minds. And this was something he wrote a century ago. But it is the fundamental truth. This is the problem with Hong Kong and the People's Republic of China, that these people are used to living independently and speaking their minds. Yeah. That doesn't go terribly well with the North American system. And it's in their, DNA. in their DNA. They can't help it, not, nor should they, by the way. But not, yeah, indeed. Uh, tra trains and you, first ever train journey. Well, my, my, my first ever train journey was in a completely different series. It was 20 years ago. Uh, no, no, I, no, your first ever train journey. Your actual first. Michael oh, Portillo's. you mean when I, when I was a tot? Yes. Ah, um, I can tell you the, the journeys I took routinely, and they were steam, and they, and they made a big impression on me. First of all, you see, my, my grandfather lived in Kokodi, which is just over the Firth of Forth. So to go and see him, we would take the overnight train, because that was cheaper. It was called the Starlight Special. And then you, <laughs> you would wake up in the morning... Well, actually, I don't think we ever slept because we didn't have a, a, a bunk or anything. But anyway, in the morning, you'd be crossing the fourth, road, uh, the fourth rail bridge, which is an extraordinary bridge. In, 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 in the trade, it's known as the bridge or number one <laughs> because it's just this incredible, beautiful thing. And then the other journey, as we, we would holiday in the Isle of Wight. And any of you who know that um, the line as it was that went from Ride to Ventnor, which was our destination, and it was a little panting steam engine. I don't know why... Some listeners will know why they panted, but it went pa 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 pa, -pa as it was waiting to go, and I just oh. remember that noise for for all time. Okay, okay so a, a great journey, a great train journey for beginners, please, Michael. I would say the settled Carlisle line, <laughs> um, uh, uh, but apart from being on the train, you want to be off the train. Because the great thing is it crosses a thing called the Riverhead Viaduct, which is a thing of great beauty. And the other thing would be the West Highland Line, which is terribly well known because it features in Harry Potter. Yeah, of Potter. course it does, yeah. And there's another great viaduct there. It's called Glen Finnan. Uh -huh. And in both of these cases, you can uh, travel on uh, steam trains. Uh, but also, the West Highland Line, you can do it as a private individual. Well, you and I are in London at the moment, so you can get on the train at Euston overnight and you wake up in this divine Scottish countryside. And, um, I just want to go yeah. now. <laughs> and, and, and in the summer, say in June, you start at uh, you start your journey back at Fort William, and you've got three hours of daylight 
uh, you know, coming through the highlands. They've got a special little dining car which serves haggis and uh, whiskey. Perfect for Burns night this yeah. weekend. Perfect. Okay, hang on a second. I've got my gavel out. Sold. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, best tra- train journey ever thus far for you and your show? If, if you can do that. Or, or uh, I think uh, I was in... In fact, the Alaska series, funny oh, enough, yes. is just being re-shown. Loved Alaska. So Alaska, there's a, there's a little journey. It's a very little journey. It goes from Skagway in uh, Alaska uh, into Canada almost immediately. It ends up at a place called, I think, Car Cross in Canada. Uh, and um, it's just, it, it just winds its way up the hillside in the Alaskan side. You know, lots and lots of switchbacks and curves. And then eventually it finds itself on a plane running through Canada. But the point is that it's just got one snow-covered mountain after another, and each one is provided with its own mirror. That is to say, each one has a lake in front of it. So every single mountain, you've got this double vision of the mountain pointing upwards and the mountain pointing downwards for four hours. It's Oh, and by the way, they have these... They have these rail cars, which are like the ones in the Westerns, you know, with the little balcony on the end. <laughs> so you can go out and sit on the balcony and then you're just in this amazing countryside. It's great, isn't it? It's so good. Thank you for coming in. No, Chris, thank you so Lovely much. to chat to you, as always. Great Asian railway journeys with the brilliant Michael Portillo. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Dapper Dave, who do we have in front of us now? From Camden Town to the bright lights of Tinseltown, our next guest is the British actor taking over Hollywood. His new film, Queen and Slim, is out in cinemas tomorrow and here to tell us all about it please welcome the tour de force that is the dashing Daniel Kaluuya good morning <laughs> <Cheers>. Daniel <laughs> I like you? his voice he's good isn't he <laughs> yeah he's far better than me uh, don't tell him everybody else does right now okay let's talk about this movie okay I went to see it on Monday um, it blew me away it is a wonderful movie what do you think about this Daniel I know it's been out in the States since November what do you think about this I, I, I wished and I hope that half of what happens in the movie happens in real life and I wish and I hope that half of what happens in the movie doesn't happen in real life unfortunately I think they're the wrong way around and the things I don't want to happen probably will or have yeah. and the things I do want to happen probably won't yes do you get what I mean by that I understand what, exactly okay. what you're saying right how do we talk about it uh, there's been talk about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid Bonnie and Clyde yeah Thelma and Louise yeah yeah, yeah. Badlands <laughs> yeah Badlands as well Badlands okay. yeah it's that, it's that kind of like on the run like and just having to deal with people that's what I love about it because it's they, the incident happens and they have to throw their phones away. Yeah. So they throw their options away. Yeah. So basically, they to, when they disconnect, they're able to connect. Well, yeah, really, as opposed yeah, to virtually. As, yeah. so, so when you say they, who are they? Who are, who are the two main characters that in every scene in the film, basically? It's Queen and Slim. Right. And they're on a Tinder date yeah. that's going bad. And he's very entitled and like eats her food and thinks he can get laid still and whatever. Yeah. And she's just not into him, but is bored. Right. And he does what for a living? He works at Costco's. Okay. And she is a qualified lawyer. lawyer. Yeah. That's right, isn't it? And um, as you say, so something happens and it literally takes your breath away. Um, and things like that have happened. Mm. Um, and, um, as you know, as far as past sort of uh, on the road, uh, Bonnie and Clyde-esque things, uh, you know, they, they, they in, the, in the beginning, they sort of did something wrong. Your, your two characters haven't done anything wrong. And that's mm-hmm. the difference here, isn't yeah. it? They're on the run through no fault at all yeah. of their own. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's the narrative that's put upon them yeah. that they have to kind of live in and navigate through. And if you have the audacity to say no, then things go dark. Yeah. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I so do. It's well, one of those. But it's also funny. 
Yeah, yeah. How yeah, do you yeah. make a film like that's so clever, isn't it? But it's it's like, but that's where it is in crazy situations. You yeah. have a laugh. Like I've had great times at funerals. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like because you just you have to find hope, and that's what I loved about the script and the film is that there's so much, so much, so many moments of joy, so many moments of hope because you have to. Because at the end of the day, there's like it's it's got one life. You yeah. might as well just live it to the fullest. Yeah. And that's they just realize that, and once they live that philosophy, they're able to kind of see each other and take away all the guards and the obstacles that they were putting in each other's way yeah. and go, listen, we've got more in common than we realised. It's yeah. brilliant. Oh, thank you, man. It's absolutely brilliant. OK, so it's been out in uh, the States since November, re- released here tomorrow. Uh, how's it done there? It's done really well. It's done really well in the States and it's, like, caused a lot of conversations. Yeah. Because it's provocative. Yeah. And, uh, but that's... It's, it's shown people themselves and I always want to... I don't want to impose... And you should think this, you should feel this yeah, about yeah, yeah. the film. It's supposed to reveal yourself. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's what I enjoy when like, you watch something and go, oh my God, I didn't know that about myself. I didn't know that I cared about that or I didn't care about that. I didn't know I cared about this perspective yeah. or I didn't even know this perspective. And so there's a lot of, a lot of reactions, but it's really connected yeah. with, um, with audiences out there. It's funny because it's not actually a hard watch. You know what I mean by that? Mm. It's, it's, it's a big old subject. It's a big meaty subject and quite right so, but it's not a difficult watch. Yeah. It's a really enjoyable watch. Can you, can you say that about a film like this? Of course you can. Can't yeah, you? it is because it's a classic narrative it's yeah, like yeah. on the run you know what yeah, I mean yeah, it's yeah. like a road trip movie essentially yeah. and they're just on the run and trying to figure out and, and it's beautiful to look at it is beautiful. And, and so you're kind of like and it's and it's funny there's moments where it's just really <laughs> funny and it's back and forth and there's some characters that are hilarious that they meet because they like because how they react to crazy situations is really funny it was, uh, it and, was, um, it was so funny watching it in the preview theatre with some really big hitters in the business in this yeah. business that I do so, so it's, it's going to get talked about a lot as it is, has done over the pond uh, but there were some very recognisable faces in that preview theatre and people laughing at different places it was it was fantastic yeah. um, the first thing I did when I left was I went to check it to see if it was a true story or not because I, I tried to find out as little about the films as possible before yeah. I watched them then I tried to find out everything about them I think that's the yeah. best way around yeah. but it's not a true story no okay but it's an amalgam of things that have happened and I say could happen yeah and it's a kind of a dramatic irony it's kind of like it's just like a turn on its head and if this actually happened in real life what would happen yeah do you know what I'm saying uh, um, and please God let it never happen please yeah 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 everyone should just respect each other and see each other and be compassionate yeah it's all about other people not about other things yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, what what you have will never be yours but who you love maybe you got a chance mm. uh, thank you Daniel that's deep man well welcome to this <laughs> What time is it? 8.55? Yeah, but we've been up Ooh. since three. <laughs> and we've, we're on our third beer. <laughs> Daniel, good luck. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really, Thanks for having me. A real treat to meet you. Appreciate you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's wrestled al- alongside the rock Stundus in the sublime Dunkirk and is soon bringing the story of Al Capone to life alongside Tom Hardy. You have the power to crown him EE Rising Star at this year's BAFTAs, so get voting and listen up to a man that can... Fake cry, but not fake laugh. It's the wonderful Jack Loudon. No, well, but he probably can fake laugh. No, I can't. You can't. No. What, c- what do you mean? No, I can. I could cry on cue before I could laugh on cue. Okay, but can you laugh on cue now? No. Well, how? Why would should people vote for you then? Because I can cry on cue. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then. Go on then. No. Well, how's that going to work? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Uh, right. So what's it? So so what goes up? So you're up for, and by the way, deservedly so. 
Uh, as are your, your fellow uh, nominees yeah. uh, for the um, EE Rising Star Award. Now, uh, past winners, James McAvoy's won this in the past, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, lots of other uh, household names now have won it in the past. You're a household name yourself, but Aqua, you're up against Aquafina. Uh, there you are, uh, Caitlin uh, Diva and uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Michael Ward, also a Brit. Uh, so what, what do people have to do? What does it mean? What could, what could this mean for you, Jack? Um, uh, uh, you know, a great ending to a good night out. I think first of all, <laughs> um, but no, it's just one of those things. It's it, you know, people say it all the time, but it is genuinely lovely to just sort of be nominated. Um, and aside that group of people that you just mentioned, who are all insanely gifted. So, what do you want people to do? Not vote for them, vote for you. I'm not going to come on here and say, "Oh, vote for why me." Not, why not? Well, because that's a bit on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think there are no rules, though, are there? It's not like uh, there aren't. No. You know, you can't be done for this in any way, can you? You can't be done for, like, dodgy funding or anything like that, can you? No, that's true, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a great thing about the arts. They, so, aren't, so, they aren't funded. So how do you? How do people vote for you or any of the other nominees? That for I any of the nominees, again? yeah, because yeah. this is the one one uh, prize that is voted for by the public, everything else is sort of BAFTA members. Yeah. And so, yeah, you just vote, uh, I think, at ee.something. ee.co.uk slash BAFTA. Yeah, that one. OK. And there you will see the name of Jack Loudon for the EE Rising Star Award and you'll see some other names as well but but Jack Loudon is the one you're really looking yeah. for um, now you, you formed your own production company you little scallywag haven't you yes I have at the yeah. tender age of 29 that's annoying uh, yeah. for lots of other people um, so so how's that where are your offices uh, do, do you have car park spaces is there a coffee machine uh, have you had to fire anyone uh, no we need to hire someone first yep. um, other than myself and I have a producing partner um, I just thought it would be good to do... Um, I think everybody normally waits until they're minted and massive, so I thought I'd do it now before I get anywhere near either of those things. OK, and this is because uh, now and again in pubs you say you go out with a pal, maybe you just finished shooting, making making a film, or mm-hmm. a writer or a director or a producer, and, and you have a couple of pints, you go, we should do something together. But that never happens. Well, now it might. Yeah, and, and, it, and, it, and it has. We and shot has? our first film. Yeah, we shot our first film in the summer. How very dare you? What, with money and budgets and cameras and With things? money and that and cameras. It's called Corvidae, and we shot it uh, over five weeks with Fiona Shaw from Killing Eve, um, and it's mental. Fiona and I play weirdos, which is always fun. Um, and, yeah, and it's in post-production and hopefully finding a festival. So soon. that's like, we're talking, like, nearly a couple of million quid. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Well, that's very exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it was great. But I got to do everything on it, you know, other than just act, which is you do for about 45 seconds a day and then you get bored. Uh, so, Jack, tell us about the Al Capone movie. When did you shoot that? Um, when did it wrap? Uh, is it true it might be out in the spring? Fonzo, I think it's called, isn't it? Fonzo, yeah. It's about the sort of last years of Al Capone and Tom Hardy plays Al Capone when he's sort of riddled with syphilis and not having a great time. And um, I play the FBI agent that hunts him down. That was shot about 18 months ago really? in New Orleans. So. So it's so the opposite of what we do film, isn't it? You you can barely remember them to talk about them sometimes when you're on the promo trail. I know. And we're here every day in the moment and we can't remember yesterday and you have to remember 18 months ago. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I was in it. No, you definitely were. And people are saying great things about it already. Can you Do you get a vibe on a film set that, that things are going well? Yeah, 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 you can. I mean, like, you, you know, it can very very quickly go the, the other way. <laughs> Um, very have quickly. you had experience of that? Oh my god, yeah, I've worked with my fair share of Egypts. Okay, well, d- without no, without no. naming any names, wh- what kind of things happen that suggest that that's that, that things are going a little pear shaped? One of my favourite things was on a film I did that will remain nameless. On the very first day, the director took me aside when we were talking about the first scene to shoot, and he said, um, "So uh, last night I was reading this book on how to make movies." 
that was his opening line to me. Right. So that was a little, why, a little why, bit why worrying. Why would he say that? Why I would you, know. in your right mind, say that yeah. to anyone? Right, let's talk about uh, the movie industry in Scotland, north of the border, because it is, you know, you can't hire a, a, a soundstage in Britain anymore. So many movies are being made here. Huge, um, huge sort of uh, appeal for content from Netflix, now from Amazon, Amazon Originals, and Sky are going to build, Sky have announced they're building these massive new studios, like prop, a proper, proper Hollywood lot over at Elstree. They've got a new creative hub going on in Leeds, and you'd like a bit of action in Scotland, please. Yeah, we're the only home nation that doesn't have one. I think there's a temporary one somewhere near Cumbernauld for that thing, Outlander, but I think that's going to disappear. But there's one there raring to go in in Leith. So if anybody has spare change in their pocket, go up there and it's got a back lot, it's, it backs out onto the sea, it's got everything you want. And then you've obviously got the Scottish landscape behind it, which is the best sort of, you know, film backdrop in the world. Yeah, because they say that um, God practised on the rest of the world and on the seventh day he went and made Scotland. Yeah. That's what they say, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you, you thought you were in with the shout of Game of Thrones for a while, not you personally, but as no. a nation. I think we were, yeah, and then we lost out to, to, to Northern Ireland and Belfast and what it's done for that part of the world is enormous. You know, not just for actors, for actors like me that come on and just like mincing about in front of a camera. There's just loads of, all the, the thousand other aspects to film. You know, the trades that can be learned. You know, I mean, you know, you have accountants for film, you have everything from accountancy well, to... Well, look at California. I mean, that's, uh, that's all yeah. born out of the movie industry. Yeah. Everything that I you I think see. we should have a pop as well. Jack Loudon, a nominee for BAFTA Rising Star. You can vote for him until midday on Friday. ee.co.uk slash BAFTA. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Imagine your perfect life being ripped apart in an instant by a total stranger. Or if that freaks you out too much, you could just watch The Stranger that's out on Netflix today. <laughs> Here to tell us more about this creepy edge-of-your-seat thriller, please welcome its stars, Richard Armitage and Hannah John Carmen. Morning, you two. Morning. Morning. Uh, because I have to watch lots of things for a living, um, sometimes I watch as, as uh, to be honest, I'll be honest with you, uh, as little as possible of what I need to watch um, for I the do. next day. Uh, but, I, but I watched the whole of your episode, and then I said, can I have episode two? And it was way past my bedtime. Uh, so I watched two episodes, and Mira watched three episodes. Ah, oh, brilliant. Oh. Now, this can only be good news for you you two, because you're in it. That's a good litmus <laughs> test. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Right, we haven't said what it's about yet. It's called The Stranger. Uh, first of all, uh, tell us who you both play. Uh, Hannah plays The Stranger. Uh, you first. Oh, uh, I play Adam Price. He's yeah. a dad of two kids, living a brilliant, affluent life, and um, he takes the kids to the football one day, and then this this lady sidles up to him in a bar and tells him that his wife faked her own pregnancy and that he should look into her computer to find out the truth, which he does, and then really regrets it. Right, tell us about your character. <laughs> um, I play the stranger, and um, basically she comes into different people's lives, starting with Adam, and drops a bombshell. Um, which will completely change their lives forever. Very and quickly, very stealthily, like you say, like the SAS, in and in, out. In and out, in and out. Um, and she's, uh, yeah, the, she basically lets the explosions happen around her and, and the turmoil of the secrets that get revealed. Um, and, yeah, very mysterious character. What, are, what? How would you describe your character? You're not a temptress, you're not... I don't know what you are yet, because I've only seen two episodes. In the first episode, you were a disruptor. Yes. Um, a, a, a strange, mysterious disruptor. In the second episode, you'd just come over as a cyber criminal. Um, yeah. <laughs> did we find out, does this kind of thing develop as it goes on? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the disguise that the stranger has, I mean, is that baseball cap? You know, when she's got it on, like she is, you know, a woman on a mission. Like Superman's cape. Yeah, Superman's cape. Yeah. Um, so, but she's a woman on a mission. And, and each episode, she will adapt to the settings of 
of of who she's telling or who she's revealing, um, you know, the truth right. to. Um, and the different agendas you will find out later on. Um, as the story kind of unravels, right now you do that and thing. You what, binge that. You do that thing. What actors, <laughs> actors do, um, brilliant writers and brilliant directors and brilliant producers, and obviously that's all at work here. Because now, what I'm guessing from when you, what you've told me is the reason I don't like her so much because she turns out to be for a force for good, is what I'm guessing now. But I could be entirely wrong. You could be entirely wrong. I could be entirely. Or he could be completely on the board. Uh, yeah, we don't knows? know. Who knows? All right. So phones. <laughs> it's about you know a lot of this is about phones. A lot of it is about going online and and going into bank accounts and finding out who's spending what in your credit card and why. And this whole fake pregnancy thing, I don't know how much we can talk about that without spoiling things. You can, it's, it's there in the first okay. episode, so is you the, can talk about it, it. I presume that's the thing then, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, f- yeah, for for Adam, I mean, he, he finds out that what the stranger told him is true and he confronts his wife within the first kind of um, episode. And then she, she says, well, let's talk about it tonight. And then she disappears and he has to kind of try and find out what happened to her. So, he, and so, he, so she's faked her pregnancy for a reason. Yes. And um, we don't know what that reason is. There are lots of reasons we suspect it might be, but yeah. obviously it's not going to be any of those because <laughs> then it wouldn't be on the telly because it wouldn't be good yeah. enough. Uh, because and we, Adam's we, trying to figure out to as, as well why, yeah. why, why she's done it. Cause he, but I mean, he knows because he's read the script. He's read the script. Well, well no, is, he hasn't read the script. I have. Yeah, I know. It's unfair. <laughs> um, so, so she disrupts. She tells people. She tells people truths that they're not aware of, and maybe better off if they continue to be not aware. Absolutely, of. ignorant is like, ignorance is bliss, isn't it? It's yeah. kind of the question of would you want to know, and what will you do about oh, it? See all these yeah. questions, and well, would you do anything about it? I wonder what the premise of the of the idea for the whole series was from the writer, from the colonel of, in the. In in the writer's brain what was it what was it what was the what if what if i think it's that if what if some uh, uh, somebody came up to you in a bar and told you something that was completely incredible uh, but there's a part of your brain that sort of believed it okay and then what if that person did that for a living yeah just goes yeah. around doing that for either the benefit of her own bank account or the benefit of the world which is, I think, what we're going to find out. Yeah, that's exactly what we're going to find oh, out. Yeah. Oh, isn't it? And then Jennifer Saunders pops up, <laughs> b- being yes. amazing. Jennifer Saunders, amazing. she runs a uh, cake shop. Cake, cake shop, shop isn't it? yeah. Best cake shop in the world. Best, Best cake shop. Where is it? Can, can we go? I think it's, it's in the suburb of Manchester. It's isn't a it? suburb um, Stockport. Yeah. Is it an actual cake shop? It was. No, a, I don't think the, the dogs are real. The dogs the cakes are real. Are fake. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to say about your show before you both depart from our studios? Uh, I just hope that people kind of get it and enjoy it. And or watch, don't get it, or, but want to yeah. get it. Oh yes, no, it's a bit absolute binge worthy. It's out today. 190 yeah. countries. Netflix. Is that all? That, yeah. That's all. What can 190. You do? What can you... <laughs> There's only 191 in the world, aren't there? 193. Or 195, if you want to include Vatican City and Tibet. So, do you think do you think the Vatican City are going to be watching The Stranger, or are they ones not on the list? I don't know. Who are the Who are the five Vatican not on the Netflix. list? They haven't watched The Young Pope. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think that's on there. I don't think that's on their no. memory card or whatever it is. Well, lovely to meet you both. You too. Well done. You congratulations. Too. Six Thank episodes. Eight. Eight, Eight. episodes. Yeah. Can, can, could there be a season two? Uh, Depending on what spin-off. I would love it. <laughs> I would love I would some love spin-off. It. Would you, could you be in it then? Yeah. All right. So you, so you, you're we still can, around. Yeah. At the end of it all. Great. Can't wait. I can't wait to find out what, where your wife is. Yeah, by me the too. way. Not in, not in real life. I've forgotten it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't wait to find out if your character is a baddie or a goodie. I suspect she's a goodie. 
Who I'm knows? Really do. I suspect Who she's knows? a good. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's a strictly legend that swapped the glitz and glamour of the ballroom for a down-and-out warblings of a wedding singer. Sort of. Fresh from the opening night of new musical The Wedding Singer at Troubadour Wembley Park Theatre, please welcome the waltzing wonder that is Mr Kevin Clifton. Good morning, Kevin, welcome, welcome. Last night went very well, I understand. Yeah, yeah, it did. Because uh, we only actually had um, like one day of sort of tech rehearsal in the theatre uh, because there was a bit of problem getting the sets in the theatre and stuff. So it was a little bit like I felt a bit rushed and panicked. And there was a point where I wasn't sure whether we were going to make it onto stage Ooh, last night and actually get the show out there. That's good. But we went out there and um, and it all went right. Like, we smashed it. it and I'm really happy with it, yeah. And you've got that I was working really late night nasal thing going on because you didn't get to bed till, what, 12, 30, 1 o'clock, I don't imagine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, my mum and dad came down to watch Aww. the first show because uh, they can't miss anything. Uh, so I had to sort of see them for yeah, a bit afterwards you did. as well. Thanks for making it all the way in today. You did, really didn't have to, but we're glad you oh, did. Oh, no, thanks for having okay, me. Okay, the wedding singer now until Sunday the 1st of March at the Troubadour Wembley Park Theatre, uh, troubadourtheatres.com, if you want to go and see it. Now, that's quite a limited run for a brand new production. Mm. Um, so this uh, this says to me, this this could be the beginning of something much bigger. Who knows? I mean, they, they have toured it before. I saw it in uh, 2017. It, it was Broadway first, and then they did a, a UK tour, and I think it was 2017. Um and then, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it was just theatre availability. They just decided to do this limited run. And um, I didn't even really know about it until towards the end of last year. Like, I was still doing Strictly. And um, and suddenly I got this call. Do, do you fancy playing Robbie Hart, the Adam Sandler role in, in The Wedding Singer? Oh, which okay. is one of my favourite movies. <laughs> like, everyone loves The Wedding Singer. Um, and I just went, yeah, that's, that sounds amazing. I can't remember the plot of The Wedding Singer. I, I like the fact I forget movies because I can enjoy them so much more mm. uh, second time round. How similar or dissimilar to the movie is the musical yeah it's really close to um it's it's basically the the movie on stage but it's all original music because the the film isn't a musical there's some songs in it but it's not a musical so they've written all original music um but otherwise yeah it's the the story of of robbie hart who sort of used to want to be well blossoms basically used to be one to be a bit of a rock star um it didn't quite ended up being prime minister (laughs) (laughs) Um, didn't quite work out that way and, and he's become a wedding singer, um, but he's quite happy with that. And then it's, it's not a spoiler; it happens right at the beginning. He gets left at the altar when he's supposed to be marrying what he thinks is the love of his life, and he has a complete meltdown, um, freaks out, and goes nuts. Uh, but then he meets this girl, Julia, who was played by Drew Barrymore in the film, um, who he gets on really well with, and they may or may not get together in this romantic comedy. Whoa, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, so if we all get together and watch The Wedding Singer tonight, um, the mm. movie, yeah. did you, how many times did you watch it in prep for the role to get yourself excited again, or did, did you did you steer away from that? Um, well, I've seen it quite a few times before, because right. I, I really like the movie, but I hadn't watched it in a while. I did watch it once in preparation, but the, the danger with that is that, like, I've got to remember that I'm playing Robbie Hart, is the character's name, and... and I've got to make sure I'm not just doing an impression of Adam Sandler yeah, yeah. in the movie because that's, that's Adam Sandler's version of the character and he'll be drawing on a lot of his stuff. So um, I don't, I'm not playing Adam Sandler on stage. I'm playing Robbie Hart. How much more right now do you want to sing and act rather than go back to another 100 years on Strictly? <laughs> yeah, well, um, 
my, my sister obviously did this, went into musical theatre as well. She, she, and she won Strictly, didn't she? Yeah, 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 yeah. In her first year or second year? I can't remember. It, it, it was pretty quickly, she won Strictly. Yeah, it was annoying. Was it one year? <laughs> uh, no, year? it was actually her third year. Third year. Yeah. Joe, Joe, this is. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, yeah, I was second to her, yeah, which was great, <laughs> great fun. Um, Good for the viewers. Yeah, but um, we've both sort of really always been interested in acting and singing. It's just that dancing's been the, the path that we're on. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, now I'm really enjoying... Um, I'm really enjoying the acting and singing. A, and what, what, a, a have lot. You, what, what musicals have you done other than one you're, the one you're in now? Because I know you're doing some last year. Yeah, well, the first one I did um, years ago was uh, Dirty Dancing in the West End. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year I did Rock of Ages playing uh, a rock star called Stacey Jacks. Did you love that? Yeah, absolutely <laughs> loved it. Yeah. Did you give it all the beans? Oh, yeah, yeah, Every yeah. Night. And I had, like, long hair and everything. Yeah, no, I know. I was, like, living the dream that, that is the blossoms, basically. Oh, when, when will you do a full set at Carfest for us, singing, not dancing? Oh, I'd love to. Come on! Yeah, that'd be yeah. amazing. Shall we get it resorted out? Yeah, let's do it. OK, I think Rob Bryden's got his own supergroup this year, Has which he? should be a right laugh, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's say thanks to Kevin Clifton! Yeah! Thank you, Kevin. Well done on last Thanks night. I'd love to come and see this. Okay, the wedding singer uh, starring Kevin is on now till Sunday, the first of March at Troubadour Wembley Park Theatre. TroubadourTheatres.com. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast, and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.